Let us look at God's word. Let us turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Again, you shall have no other gods before me. Amen. And then let us turn to John chapter 17, 3. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Again, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Amen. God is the only true God. God is the only true God. God is the only true God. He sent his one and only son to the world and to those who believe that he and the one and only son are one he gives eternal life so listen carefully and follow after me to those who believe that God and the one whom he sent are one to those who know that God sent his one and only son so those who believe they are one he gives eternal life our faith is the, to believe in the fact that the only true God sent his one and only son Jesus Christ do you believe that you must not just believe this but it is to believe that the only true God sent Jesus Christ his one and only son so then we are not to say that the father and the son are separate but the one God who sent the son Jesus Christ that God is the one who sent Jesus as his son and to believe that is eternal life that God is the one who sent his son and further it is to believe that he and the son are one is eternal life I will explain this further later so our faith is to believe that and now our faith life is to never acknowledge a different God and to not tolerate difference um, from the truth. So anything that is different from the truth, risking your life to defend it is what faith life is about because it is a matter of salvation. Peter said in Acts chapter 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved the salvation is found in no one else today we ought to think deeply about the word of God and difference regarding the oneness of God and what is different uh, from the word of God so in the current times uh, in America there is a well-known acronym DEI and D there are DEI movements that are spreading all over in the schools, the workplace, and politi politics. So this stands for diversity, equality, and inclusion. So diversity, equality, and inclusion. These all sound good, don't they? They are characteristic of a democratic society. So by acknowledging diversity, equality, and inclusion, these are talks in the academic, the workplace, and political arenas. And in order to be inclusive, 
um, uh, homosexuality uh, is accepted with same-sex marriage uh, being accepted and okay that it doesn't have to be a male and female but uh, it's okay and there are also many different um, gender identities you can feel like this one day and then something else another day so there are so, so many different identities and this is all anti-biblical so nowadays they um, say that just because someone is different you aren't to make them your enemies but we should embrace the differences and live in, in unity and live amongst other humans and it, it sounds good however when we look at the Bible there is no instance where difference was accepted so difference in the biblical sense is wrong meaning uh, what is different from the truth is wrong so the bible is black or white it's either o or x there is no middle so there is the distinction between true and false righteousness and unrighteousness the christian faith absolutely believes in the one god the oneness of god amen but those who do not understand this may say that aren't there three gods and uh, say that the christianity believes in three gods but we believe in the triune god the trinity god it does not mean there are three gods but what this means is that there are three persons three personas one god so persona in greek means uh, it refers to the persona um, the person there are three personas one god so if we do not believe this then we do, do not believe in god so we must be clear on this and no matter what anyone says we have to absolutely uh, keep this faith and believe this so three persons one god one god one god god is one one god is what we must believe so we are not to focus on the number but um so god is one one god and one means they are the same equal the father the son and the holy spirit are one they have they share the same will the same direction same purpose a unique characteristic of christianity is that it acknowledges the three persons as one god there is no religion that believes such so this is a very unique characteristic uh the oneness of god and this for this uh, people die even and we must believe this concept of the oneness of God um, so defend this and even die for this so in the Korean language God is han Hananim and in that word is um, uh, it means one and there's another term that sounds similar but it means uh, something slightly different um, more like supernatural being and also another term that sounds similar but also different slightly different in meaning but we believe in god so in the korean um, word it there's a it means one one of the characters so there are there so there was a problem in the garden of eden god allowed 
Adam to eat any uh, fruit in the garden. Uh, but because, uh, he said, because you are Adam, do not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God gave him his word, his command. However, in the garden was the serpent, who was the devil. And after Eve told him that God commanded them not to eat the fruit, the devil deceived her, um, lied to her, telling her that you will not die, that you too will be like God. God is one, but you too will be like God. Right there, he is denying the oneness of God. So the deceiver, the, the devil, and mankind who he tricked and deceived all became hellbound because they denied the one God and by saying something different, by dece deceiving them to think and accept difference, uh, they something different, they became hell-bound. In Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, uh, I am who I am, meaning I am the self-existent one, the, and I am the self-existent one, uh, in other words, I am, I am the one from the beginning who was not created by anyone or anything, but was self-existent. Amen. And he, and what was his name? His name uh, was Jehovah. In the Old Testament, the one God, uh, the only one God was named Jehovah. And this, through so many years and uh, through those many years and events, he instilled that in them, that he is the one God and his name is Jehovah. Then the great exodus happened. And it says um, why they, why the exodus happened, why they were brought out. Exodus 6, 6 to 7, it says, um, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I will be your God. It was not because he felt bad for the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt, but through these various events, signs and wonders, he would let them know that he is their God, that he will be their God. I will be your God. So in order to be their God, there were these countless uh, wonders and miracles through which they were liberated from Egypt. So then they should have believed that God is one. Isn't that right? Amen. Does, despite that, however, they didn't, because they were stiff-necked people, they did not believe. And then further, God, um, later God gave them the law and commands and taught them that, uh, gave them the command, you shall have no other gods before me. So the reason they had to keep the statutes and decrees was also so that they would not forget that there is no other God but him. But if they broke even one, it would be considered the same as having other gods before him, breaking that command. Um, so how many points to the law were there? How many? There were 613 points to the law. But if they broke even one, then that would be considered the same as breaking um, the one that was, uh, that the command they were given not to acknowledge other gods. So do you under, understand? Amen. He then instructed them to build the sanctuary and they were given very detailed instructions on how to build it. Uh, so many regulations, 
um, but if they broke even one, then they were put to death. Aaron's sons, so Aaron was a high priest and his sons priests, but in the sanctuary they were put to death because they gave unauthorized fire, a fire that was different from what God instructed. It was a different fire. So it wasn't that they did not serve God, for they did serve him, but they came with unauthorized fire, a different fire before the Lord, and so they were put to death. Aaron must have been devastated because his son died. Both his sons died, but he couldn't even cry, likely, for they brought a different fire and they were in the wrong. So God embedded this in the people. Also, uh, you must have heard about the story of Korah's rebellion in, in number 16. So Korah is from the tribe of Levi and the tribe of Aaron among the Levites were designated as the priests. The clan of Korah were assigned another role like transporting items within the tabernacle. So they were like, we are also part of the tribe of Levi. Why are you the only one serving as priests? And so they led a, they uh, were in opposition and they led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And um, they uh, brought their censers uh, and put incense in it to serve God also. So they all came out with their censers and put incense in it and presented it before the Lord. But when Korah had gathered all his father followers, the ground under them split apart. The earth opened its mouth uh, and swallowed them all, their household and even their little children and all those associated with Korah. Together with all their possessions, they were all swallowed up. So it's not like they didn't want to serve God, but they did it in a different way, not in the way God instructed. So that is why they were struck de dead. So this was to instill in them that there is no other God than me, and there is no other way or method other than the one I instruct, and that you must do according to my command and my ways. And this is what he instilled in them. Do you understand? So the Israelites, however, were a stick-necked people and they wanted to have other gods and do other things in uh, other ways, different ways. So they served um, and worshipped other gods. And Elijah said of how they are so corrupt and wicked in their ways. So that is when Elijah summoned all the Israelites and the prophets. Um, and so on Mount Carmel, it was Elijah, one man against a 50 of the false uh, prophets of Baal and of Asherah. So, so the fire came down and the false prophets were all killed. So one against 850. The 850 did they not serve? They were they were false prophets. It did not mean they did not have a god. They did believe in a god and served a god, but that god was Baal, and that's why they were killed. The prophet said to the corrupt and wicked Israelites that he said to remember what the Lord God says that there is no other God uh, that I am the Lord and there is no other apart from me there is no God 
And he said, But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me, that they were to remember from what they were brought out from, that they were brought out of their slavery from Egypt by God's help, and to also remember what happened to their ancestors who served other gods and served in different ways. Um, but as they forgot and became corrupted, they lost their sovereignty and were taken as captives and they mixed with other people so the Israelites they uh, the, the peoples diminished and those that remained came back to the temple with hopes that God would restore their people and their nation and with such hopes they were giving sacrifices at the temple and that is when Jesus appeared and what did he say before the temple destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days so the temple that Jesus said to destroy contained what it contained the name of Jehovah and the name of Jehovah which was the name of the one God of Israel the one God now they experienced being put to death if they served other gods or served in a different way even slightly but now Jesus was telling them to destroy this temple so you can imagine how shocking this was for them but what this meant was that no longer would it be the one God Jehovah and the promise of entering the land of Canaan when they kept the law but Jesus was saying that I have come who was Jesus Jesus is God who was from the beginning. He is the son who was in the bosom of the father, the only true God. Up until Jesus, the name of the only true God they knew was Jehovah. His name was Jehovah. But now the son who was in the bosom of that father came. John chapter 114, uh, the one and only son. The one and only son who came from the bosom of the one and only God and the God who was in the bosom of the father he came and his name is Yeshua Yeshua so Jesus is the son who was sent by the only true God he said I am the one who was sent as the son by the only true God so therefore he is referred to as the son uh, as the one and only son and as he came as man he is also referred to as the son of man so they would not receive redemption salvation or eternal life by keeping the law and knowing that the name of the only true god as jehovah and keeping his commands but i have come now the words i have spoken the words of the father the truth and by this truth you will, would be sanctified that's why he says sanctify them by the truth your word is truth and what he meant was that the words that I speak they are the words of the father and they are the truth when the words were given through Moses it was the law and the words that are spoke were spoken through Jesus the son it is the truth John chapter seventeen seventeen, sanctify them by the truth your word is truth the words that I speak are not my own, but they are the Father's. They are the truth. 
In the path through the law, they were to remember the only true God, Jehovah. But now he's saying, now I have come and I am the son who was sent by the only true God, the father. And he said to destroy the temple, meaning that this era uh, has come to an end. And now what I speak are the words of the father and they are the truth. And if you keep the truth, you will become holy, will live and on the last day go to be with the father is what he meant. John chapter 16, 28. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. So he was talking about where he came from, that he came from the Father, the bosom of the Father. So the bosom of the Father, meaning he was with the, the Father, one with him. The Word was with him. So where was the Word? The word was in the bosom of the father, just as a baby is in the mother's womb. So when he came as the son of man, as the son of God, when he came as the one and only son, he came separated from the father. And that is when he's referred to as the son of man. And now when his time as the son of man comes to an end, he will return back to the bosom of the father is what he meant by that uh, uh, verse in that verse. Then he says something more important, John chapter 10, 30. John chapter 10. So perhaps up until here, uh, they, they could have let it slide, maybe. But, but then Jesus said something here in verse 30, and they could no longer tolerate it. And he said, I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. So Jesus said that he and the Father are one. Since when were they one? In John chapter 1 verse 1, when he was the Word, he was one with the Father. Verse 18, he was in the bosom of the Father, so he and the Father are one. One. The Father and the Son are one from the beginning. And when he dies, resurrects, and ascends to heaven, he will be one again. But when he came as the Son of Man, he came separated from the Father uh, in visible form, but they are still one. That I and the Father are one. And when we continue, again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, it, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works. Believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So Jesus Christ was saying uh, throughout his public ministry that the Father is in me and he is in the Father. And as he knew, they could not believe. And 
uh, explanation alone wouldn't suffice. He said to believe the works as he did the works of his father. His father is the one from the beginning, the one who created all things, the one who commanded all things into existence. As uh, he uh, said, let there be and things came about. So God can command things to be and likewise, Jesus did so. For instance, there was a time he commanded Peter to let down the nets and they caught such a large number of fish. And these are the works of the creator. He did these works so that they would believe believe what believe that i am in the father and the father is in me throughout his public ministry he was one with the father he and the father god were one but as he had the flesh he had work to complete in the flesh before he would return to the father and become one again the jews could not believe and could not accept any of this they couldn't tolerate it so I always lay the groundwork with the Old Testament. So we must first lay the, the basics, the foundations, and look at the Old Testament first so that we may know in what direction we are headed. Uh, if there is one dot, you cannot tell where it goes. But when there are multiple dots and you connect them, you can find the direction and know where you are headed. So the more reference points or stepping stones we have in the Old Testament, then we make the connections. And where do we go? We go all the way to the beginning. Amen. So when Jesus Christ explained this, the Jews did not understand and they were determined they were determined not to understand. So they said they have a law and under such law, they have to kill uh, men like Jesus who claim to be God and that he and God are one. So that is why they led Jesus to death. So who made the law or who created the law or the principle that would eventually lead Jesus to his death? Who created this law? God could have not given the law to the Jews. The law said that God is one, that there is only one God. And if he had not ingrained this in the people, then they would not have killed Jesus for he wouldn't have done anything wrong. Anything wrong. But why did he give them this law? To eventually kill who? It was to lead Jesus to death. Therefore, when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. So your heads have to open here. If you don't understand here, then th this talking is all useless. So he said, it is finished. And what did he finish? Uh, he declared, Father, you alone are the only one who can make the son submit. So again, he died according to the command of the Father. He said that no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. So he could have not died, uh, but he chose uh, to die as to testify that the Father alone is the one who, the only one who could command him. And so he used his authority to die according to the command of the Father as he believed that the Father would raise him back up again, uh, which was his authority to be raised back up. So Jesus Christ said, in other words, Father, there is no one like you. That there is no one like you, Father. And that's what he acknowledged here. And then the devil was destroyed. The devil wanted to be like God. And in his heart, he had the desire to become like God. That he had such evil heart, but 
with the death of Jesus, he was the devil was condemned. And also through the death of Jesus, he redeemed mankind and cut off the chains that bound mankind to be slaves of the devil. He cut off the chains of sin and set them free. And now those who receive his blood say amen if you have the blood of Jesus. Say amen if you have his blood. Now you know that you have become a child of God through his blood. Father, Father, we can call you Father God whenever we want and we can also enjoy all the attributes that are in your blood. Jesus, he died and after he resurrected, he met his disciples. Uh, Thomas, um, of them there was Thomas who was, a, who was very doubtful and he could not believe that Jesus resurrected. So he was like, how could that be? He died, so how could he be alive? He died on the cross, so he poured out all his blood. It's not possible. And he was doubtful, but Jesus came and said, if you can't believe, then touch, reach out your hand and be believing to stop doubting and believe. So Jesus very warmly gave Thomas this chance. Thomas had many doubts, but Jesus told him to touch him and Thomas did. And he was like, oh my God. He felt the nail marks on his hands and the pierced side. Oh my God. Then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. He just knelt at this. So how much Jesus loved his disciples that he would give him this chance. So Jesus completed this work and ascended to heaven. And in heaven, where does he sit? He sits on the throne. Revelations 3.21. Revelation 3.21. So let us look here. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right. So to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. So after Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven, he sat on the throne of God. And it says here that to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. So my throne, the Father's throne. So when Jesus Christ resurrected and ascended, where did he go? He sits on his throne. But then it goes on to say the Father's throne. And then he, it says on his throne, his throne. So it's singular, not plural. It is not my throne and the Father's throne, two thrones, but the Father's throne is my throne. And on one throne, he is with who he is with the father with the father together with him as one one is seated on the throne so who is seated on the throne in heaven the lamb the lamb the lamb yeshua the son the god who came in the flesh is there the one god the one god and the son jesus christ whom he sent are one so from then on, Jesus Christ was acknowledged as the one true God, the only true God. 
So if you cannot accept this or still do not understand, raise your hand. So this is like mathematics. It's like a formula. That's why I always pray for souls who are good soil, who have character, intelligence, and free will. So they have to have the fundamental down, knowing what one plus one is and one multiplied by one is. So this should be basic. With here is referring to not plus, but multiplied. So with, with one multiplied by one is what? You can't say two. So that is where different theology arises. So Jesus Christ, so you, ha you have to think about why the Father sent him as the Son of Man. The Father planned to give all the authority in heaven and on earth to the Son. When, but it wasn't in heaven. Um, when he was in heaven, he didn't say, uh, here, son, son, I will give you all this. Because if he had done so, then the angels would have rebelled, perhaps saying, oh, because he's a son, he has that privilege and uh, we're just angels so that uh, so that the angels would not complain or grumble in this way God sent his one and only son in the flesh to struggle and die in the flesh to be put to death and destroy the devil who is the ruler of death this devil who was an archangel who wanted to become like God Jesus condemned with his death and after jesus died he ascended to heaven and he sat down on the throne of the father he sits with the father and though we cannot see god he became the god who we can see forever and ever so do you really understand raise your hand up high do you all understand okay so jesus christ is the ascended to heaven and is the only true god Jesus Christ is the only true God. He is the Father, the Father is the Son, the Son is the Father. This concept of Trinity must make sense. The Father and the Son, the Son and the Father, they are one. This was completed and perfected after he died, resurrected and ascended to heaven and sat on the throne with the Father was when this was all completed. Amen? Then to the believers those who believe um, in uh, the basics so in the resurrection of Jesus and that the death of Jesus Christ brought upon redemption to mankind to those who believe that he sent the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit comes to these believers um, so they may not believe in everything yet but um, uh, but they have the blood of Jesus and are uh, washed and believe that they have been redeemed and born again as children of God. And to such, the Holy Spirit comes. And when he comes, he teaches them. He teaches them and lets them know. As a teacher, he lets them understand the concept of the Trinity. So there are theologians and pastors who believe in the Trinity uh, many, uh, but the more they try to explain, then they find themselves um, getting confused and they get lost. And then, um, so they have not fully understood yet. The concept of uh, Trinity is the hardest among pastors because they get confused themselves. And a lot of cults have branched out from this uh, 
uh, misinterpretation of the Trinity. But once you receive the Holy Spirit, you will know. You must therefore receive the Holy Spirit. And what must we first know? That the Father and the Son are one. And where did the Holy Spirit come from? John 15. Uh, he came from the Father and from the Son. That the Holy Spirit came from the Father and from the Son. That he was with God uh, in the beginning. For he is spirit. Um, we don't know in what form. and But he was with the Father and the Son. And therefore the Holy Spirit knows where Jesus was. And from where he, he came from. And where did Jesus come from? The Holy Spirit knows very well that Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. And with the coming of the Holy Spirit, the fact that the Father and the Son are one, and that He too came from them, we can understand the Trinity. So Christianity believes the Trinity and one God, that God is one. That if you really believe this, raise your hand, that you really believe this, that no matter how much you try to turn it upside down, you still believe. You, so why aren't you raising your hand? You don't believe? Then come see me after and I will explain. Really, I am determined to teach even if it may take all night. Because I want to lose none that he has given me as I don't want them to go to hell but receive salvation. So also in other denominations, they say, they say you go to hell if you don't believe in the Trinity and they preach this message but they themselves don't truly understand so now more specifically what must we believe to believe in the trinity Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4 there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So let us read again. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So what is one? One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. Say Amen, if you believe God is one God. Are you sure of this? Then you must also believe that the Spirit, Lord, faith, baptism are one. Baptism is one. One baptism. Many uh, say that baptism is a one-time event. Uh, yes, but I do believe that if you receive baptism without knowing what it really meant but now you've come to understand and want to receive it again knowing what it is then in those cases i'll allow it because it must not be done without knowing but those who believe and are baptized you must know what it means mark sixteen sixteen. it says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved so this is direct what is directly related uh with salvation is uh, faith and baptism baptism so one baptism in such an important verse where it says one lord one faith why is baptism included here why because it is the command of jesus christ when jesus christ died and resurrected when he was given all authority 
the first command that he gave after he was acknowledged as the only true God, that first command was baptism. When God acknowledged him, he acknowledged him as who? He acknowledged Jesus as the only true God. And he and such only true God commanded baptism. So isn't that important? Do you think he just said that just because? No. Be so when he resurrected and he said to his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So it was a very important command. So baptize in the name of Jesus. So baptism is an absolute command of Jesus Christ. Say amen if you acknowledge this. Raise your hand if you acknowledge that Jesus Christ gave this as an absolute command. That it was not sprinkling, but baptism by immersion. He showed a sample and we, by being, by going under the water and coming out to be immersed. And so we must do as is. So if someone says sprinkling in the name of Jesus, that is fake. Fake. It, it is different from the truth then if it's different from the truth it's fake it's false so when it says baptism is one that means that the way the method in which we give baptism is also one in whose name in the name of the king of kings and then further who is he he is the only true god the only true god the only true god commanded this so do you think the only true God who speaks only true things would just say or command something for the sake of it or something that's not important? Amen? So he commanded this. So there is one commander and one method, one way. So again, commander is one and the way is one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit commands, and they are the same. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the only true God, commanded this. And if you submit and obey this command, then what happens? You will be saved, washed of your sins, and receive forgiveness. So three things. Again, what happens when you are baptized? So what are the three things? When you are baptized, you are saved, you are cleansed, and forgiven. So if you go to church and so in so so now this is a serious issue as it says in Matthew 24:24 24, 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear so that in the end times there will appear false christs and false prophets that this is this is specifically relevant to the Christians. So talks of false prophets and false Christs are all topics of interest and relevance in Christianity to the group of uh, Christians is what this is relevant to. So uh, the history of Christianity is of persecution. The history of Christianity is of persecution. Jesus Christ himself was persecuted and after he died and resurrected, 
and ascended to heaven, there was strong persecution uh, by the by the Jews. The Christians were persecuted heavily by the Jews for some time, and so they scattered here and there. And then from the third century, they were persecuted by the Roman Catholics. So that is when the Pope appeared and what he commanded uh, was infant baptism, infant baptism, which was sprinkling water on infants so that they would be saved. Uh, this was the practice uh, they were taught of, uh, to sprinkle the water. But, um, but then, um, then there were those who were adamant believers that this method was wrong, that Jesus Christ is the one who commanded baptism by immersion and that Jesus showed us the way in which we to be baptized, which is by immersion into the water. And they wanted to follow in the way of Jesus exactly how he was baptized. So then there emerged the people who fought for this, among them especially uh, were the Anabaptists, and then began more oppression of Christians. And until the 12th century, approximately 50 million Christians were killed because of baptism. The Roman Catholic uh, church declared infant baptism but then there were those who said no Jesus Christ commanded baptism by immersion not sprinkling that he was fully immersed into the water and these Christians were killed and drowned into the water when they went to get baptized and in horrendous ways unimaginable by man uh, they were killed so how the Roman Catholics who claimed to believe in God killed these Christians in such horrible ways uh, for instance they skinned them alive and in so many horrible ways um, around 50 million uh, died so what of the current times Protestants so Protestants uh, including uh, the branches um, or denominations of the Presbyterian so the Lutherans, the Methodists, these branches in Christianity. So basically the ones that are not Catholic are uh, Protestants. But what did they protest against or from? So they wanted to reform the Catholic Church uh, from the Pope. So from the command of sprinkling that was given by the Pope, they claimed that it's not infant baptism, it's not done by sprinkling, but baptism by immersion into the water. And such people who fought for this were killed. So the so-called Protestants today, um, they never protested against this and died for it. So, okay, let me ask you, if someone believes in Jesus, goes to church and is sprinkled in the name of Jesus, is he saved or not? Is he saved or not? Can he be saved or not? Why? Because sprinkling is fake. It is different from the truth and we do not except what is different from the truth. What is different from the truth is wrong. Difference is wrong, meaning what is different from the biblical way is wrong. It's fake. What is different from the command of Jesus Christ is wrong. We must know how to discern between true and false. Amen? So sprinkling is fake. You don't want to say it? 
Sprinkling is false. So when we had Zoe conference in Korea, around 100 Korean pastors attended the Zoe one. And I said then too that sprinkling is false. And I asked, did this Korean uh, pastor uh, receive salvation or not? He was a well-known Presbyterian pastor who was martyred. And I asked, did he receive salvation or no? He was martyred. Was he saved? No, he was not. Meaning it's fake and it's hell. And I said that. And then there were these uh, crowds of pastors who came up to me. And even uh, uh, Pastor Joe's sister came up to me and said that I was too extremist. So what is so extremist about the command of Jesus Christ? It's black or white. It's either yes or no, black or white. Is baptism right or wrong? It's right. What about sprinkling? It is not right. Sprinkling is fake. So they so they say 20% of our Protestants and among them a very few believe in baptism by immersion. So for the rest who don't believe that means hell. So we have to be clear on this. Or do you think that this is too harsh? Let me ask you then. So why do we evangelize? Why do we evangelize? To save souls. That's right. What if that person goes to a temple? Then what happens when you go to a temple? Do you tell them that church is better? And why go so far? Church is closer. Is that what you say? You say, if you go to the temple and do not believe in Jesus, it's hell. That is why we evangelize. But why can't you say that? Why can't you say that if you are sprinkled, you are going to hell? Why can't you? Why? Because you're not confident. Because you have not understood it fully yet. That Jesus Christ is the commander. And who is he? He is the only true God and he does not talk nonsense. Jesus Christ commands us to be baptized and he showed us the way, a sample. And because he commanded, then all we have to do is obey as is. And if there is opposition along the way and we are put to death, then let us die confidently. So I think about this often in the end times, how the times are. There are other ecumenical movements and uh, the WCC movement. And so perhaps, so it's about uh, unifying all the Christian uh, branches. So perhaps you haven't heard of this and don't know what's going on in this world because we're always here together. But these things are happening in the world. So in Korea, the representatives and the important Christian figures are meeting together for these um, movements, which is a movement to make one Christianity, all branches and denominations such as Presbyterian, Full Gospel, Methodists, Lutherans, everyone become one, essentially leading to the unification of all religions all religions, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, and Catholicism, and then further even the Jewish, such as with the Abrahamic religion where Judaism, Christianity, and Islam have come together. So this is a direction the world is headed towards where all religions are unified and when that happens. So what would happen if a Baptist pastor joined such movement where everyone else were sprinkled? So if you yoke with the unrighteous, if you yoke with a thief, then you become a thief. That if you have been baptized, 
but yoke with those who are sprinkled. So, okay, now let's go back. In Judaism, if a Jew eats with a Gentile, if a Jew yokes with a Gentile, what happens? His circumcision becomes uncircumcision. It becomes null. So likewise, then baptism becomes null. If a Baptist acknowledges and accepts sprinkling and turns a blind eye, ignores someone who says that sprinkling can, be, can also attain salvation, then that too means their baptism becomes null. So do you want this baptism you have received to have effect? Why? Because what happens if you receive baptism? You attain salvation. Amen? So we are in the end times and there are these things happening all over and likely the Antichrist will appear. And when the Antichrist appears, the first targets that he will eliminate are those who truly believe that baptism by immersion is the only way and Jesus Christ commanded it. And these will be the first targets. So I am really praying all the more nowadays that I wish I could die for baptism because of baptism that I really can't stand pain and I'm so fearful of pain but this no matter how much it may hurt and how scared I am how fearful I am this is something that cannot change as a command of Christ is the only way baptism is one and I will keep defend and teach the truth and die for it even last year the KM young adult groups uh, dedication was about baptism and they received so much grace as they researched themselves about the history of baptism and how many people died for it and watch it again the command of Jesus Christ I know that his command leads to eternal life I know that his command is eternal life those who know this because if it's not eternal life then it's hell so faith has to be extremists there's no two but there's only one faith is one the answer is one believers of jesus must be baptized and be saved and have eternal life if there are opposers of this even if i have to give up my breath my life and be persecuted i will not change no matter what let us all be those who keep defend and teach the truth